Hey, it's Tony. On today's show, we will actually talk to Michael Wilbon, we think, and we'll check in with Booger McFarland to get his thoughts on the college football playoffs. But first, commerce. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I feel that basically anything you do in the first half is like warfare, whatever. You do what you got to do. You score as many as you can score. And then you figure it out later. So I didn't have a, okay. a problem with that. I, you know, I think that I did, I will say, Tony, have a, an athletic director tell me a few months ago that Kirby Smart is kind of the guy that likes to burn ants with a magnifying glass. So <laughs> this would fit into that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. As long as we use that for the open, let me just say right off the top that Pat Forty got it right. Yeah. Pat Forty had Michigan winning, and Pat Forty had Washington winning, and I did not. And Pat Forty had it right. So we applaud that. We will talk about that at great length today, and we don't have to do it now. A couple of reads, one from Claire Natola. For the seventh year in a row, Littles have come together to raise funds for children's charities at the holidays. Please give my sincere thanks to the Littles who donated to Rocco's Warriors this year a total of $3,105.11. Yes, $3,105.11. There are some worse than us. A special <laughs> shout-out to Lee Gordon of Boynton Beach, Florida, who donated the exact amount that would bring us to that esteemed total. Rocco's Warriors is still accepting donations from Littles. Please reach out to Cool Aunt Claire Natola on social media outlets to find out how to contribute. In all, over $17,000 has been raised in Holiday Drive since 2017. The Littles continue to demonstrate that their generosity is second to none. Thank you, Claire. And this from Gary Adell. Gary Adell is my dad's chips. He sent over oh. a big box of my dad's chips. They now have five flavors. They have my two favorites, which are the original and... What's the other one that I like a lot? You like the, blue this, one. Uh, the salt and balsamic vinegar. Yes, I like that very much. The and ones on the have, side of the box that you've, right, you've I've claimed. Said, you, people can, you people can go to the middle of the box. <laughs> then they have French onion. They have swaracha. Is that how that's Jalapen pronounced? Jalapeno sriracha. Right. That's hot. Too hot for sriracha. me. That's going to be you. spicy that, chip. That, yeah, yeah. That's going home with you. <laughs> and barbecue. Uh, and the barbecue is actually very good. Barbecue's I'm good. just not a barbecue chips guy. Yeah. Anyway. So Gary writes. Great chips. And, and Gary writes this, and it is, it's everything the show has ever done. As I sit here in my custom sports coat from Indochino, astonished at how comfortable my undies boxers are, stunned that Saliza is 6'3", and thank, thrilled that my sport coat no longer smells like smoke since I now have something in common with Snoop Dogg, thanks to the purchase of my solo smokeless fire pit. Uh, I'm excited to tell you that through my lifetime subscription to Rosetta Stone, I can now say my dad's chips in 25 languages. Now, if I can just figure out how many different sauces I can create for my year's supply of chicken wings from ButcherBox. The good news is that I just received notification that ZipRecruiter may have found the next employee for my dad's chips. I will make sure to inform our new employee that they should use GameTime to purchase event tickets. So if it doesn't work out with MDC, GameTime has... Um, my dad's chips. Game time has job loss assurance. I really wanted to let you know I've been looking high and low for a suitable holiday gift for you, Michael and Nigel. Briggs and Riley's suitcases sounded interesting, but guess you probably had enough luggage in your life, and you're already a preferred customer of Nuts.com. I figured you didn't need a subscription to Rocket Money, as you probably have people who take care of that for you, and setting yourself up with Policy Genius would be weird. I thought maybe a tray of bagel sandwiches in a dog-proof case from Bethesda Bagels, who carry all fla five flavors of my dad's chips. But I wanted to send you something more original. So in close, please find my dad's chips, T-shirts, and hats for you. 
Uh, you, Michael and Nigel, I hope the shirt sizes are okay and a variety case of chips for the three of you to share. Hope you and all the littles have a happy, healthy, and prosperous holiday season and new year. Thank you for all the shout-outs and support that have led to my dad's chips being available in over 270 stores. Wow. And growing. Including, and this, like, gets i got to break insane. down some of the available stores in our area. I, I cannot believe, you know, that they're at Strohsnar. Strohsnar's is a very... I have to say this, specialized and boutique hardware store that with the, with the smartest help in the business. They're fantastic. You walk in there, you ask for anything, they get you right to oh, it. They won't and let you go down an aisle by yourself. Yeah, they explain <laughs> they everything to you. Yeah. The one that I'm talking about, I think is, is that's not the only Stroh-Snyder's. No, there's also Stroh-Snyder's the that you'd be thinking of in Kensington and yeah, Potomac. I so I don't know that. But they sell my dad's chips there, which amazes me. Uh, what, are, what are some other area stores that you would love to see my dad's chips as you change the way you chip? What's a store that has everything? Well, a supermarket. Rodman's. Oh, Rodman's? They sell them there? Sell them at Rodman's. Rodman's does have everything. Old school. The most exotic used to go thing to a lot. G.C. Yeah. Murphy's would have carried them had G.C. Murphy still yeah. been around. So, I, old, I mean, by the old radio station, Parkway really, Deli. Yeah. I can just tell you this. These are really good potato chips. They're great. They're, they're a really dangerous good. size because they're too big to be considered a lunch chip, and it's not quite big enough where it's a multi-person Clip and close. Yeah. Uh, so you end up punishing these chips at a, in about a night. Oh, yeah. They're really good. By the way, every time I go to Stroh Snyder's, the one in Bethesda, I always laugh because I don't know if you've, you've noticed, about three stores down, there's a pizza joint that's called Edith's Pizza. Oh, no, I didn't know. Really? So I always laugh Edith's at pizza. that. Yeah. Oh. So that's what Solis is up to. I know there's a bakery. Yep, there's a bakery, the bakery there as well. It's a pretty good bakery. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's so good that I don't go in because there's a line that stretches outside. It's always a huge line. Outside. We yeah, get the, uh, we get the kids' cookies there. Yeah, I'm not waiting for that because yeah. it's, it goes. All right, so a couple of other things. This is an amazing thing, actually. We'll get to the football. Mallory Crossland to the rescue yesterday. She sent me an email. She heard it. She said, I've got a sweater for you. I've got a sweater. How fantastic. I'll bring it over. I've got a sweater. Um... I said, you listen? She says, oh, yeah, I listen. And so she came over late yesterday afternoon. Mallory did. She's visiting her folks. Um, and she said she was going to try and get me an exact replica of the royal blue uh, Ryder Cup hoodie cashmere. She brought over. It's, this is merino, but it's beautiful. This is a Ryder. I'm wearing it now, for those of you not watching on News Channel 8, a Ryder Cup sweater. Looks nice. A half zip, quarter zip. This is a quarter zip. It's really nice. You're right. You were right out of the team room. Yeah. You're just missing Patrick Cantlay's hat. Yeah, that's right. Which he didn't wear. <laughs> which he could have given to me. Which he could have given to me. Um, so this is really nice. It was great to see Mallory. Yeah. And I was just so stunned and thrilled that she actually listens to the show. So I have a sweater, which is which is good. And now let me get to the football yesterday. Let me start with this. This this will be a continuing topic today. The Liberty-Oregon game is why you don't have 12 teams. The Liberty-Oregon game is why you don't guarantee a spot in the playoffs to one of these 11-0 or 11-1 teams that win a small conference that may as well be a D2 conference. And I'm talking about Liberty, and I'm talking about James Madison. All right? You don't have them in a 12-team playoff because they're going to get killed. That's, this is, they cannot compete. They don't play good enough teams all year. They don't recruit good enough athletes. They show well in the conference that they're in. God bless them for that. 
but you cannot put them against a team that's a top five team in the country. And by the way, that's exactly what will happen. They're not going to put the number 12 team against the number 11 team. They're going to put the number 12 team against the number five team. They're going to get four buys, one, two, three, four, and then 12 is going to play five. And this is what Liberty played Oregon. It was no game. It stunk. It was 45 to six. And Oregon took out all of its players in the second half. Yeah. It's not a game. It's, it's lunacy. And I, I know there are people out there that write columns about how the little guy gets screwed all the time. And it's all just about money. Well, yeah, it's all just about money. But this romance you have with the notion that a, that a team that has a really good record from a non-existent competitive conference is going to somehow win this is insane. Now, you can say, oh, well, the 16 finally beat the one in the NCAAs. That's right. But I would tell you those conferences are even closer. And Virginia lost to UMBC. I would tell you those conferences are even closer than football. Yeah. If you put one of these teams, a Liberty or a James Madison, against the number two team, from the Big Ten or the SEC, it's going to be this. It's going to be 65-3. It's, that's what it's going to be. So stop. Just stop with this nonsense. That's one thing I wanted to say. Second thing I wanted to say. Do you feel better? Was, I, I feel better about <laughs> that. Cathodic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, if ESPN didn't get a great number last night, oh. they'll never get a great number on college football. Yeah. They had two great games. Really did. Two great games that went down to the wire, one in overtime and one on the last play. Totally competitive games the whole way with teams that, you know, you know some of the players on them. Yeah. Like, you, know, like, you don't have to know any players on Texas or Alabama because you know Texas and Alabama. Michigan – for the third year in a row, is a great team. So you don't have to know anybody. In Washington, you know Michael Penix Jr. Because he was in the Heisman race. And he was the guy I told you yesterday. He throws it sidearm. Throws it sidearm. He throws it underhand. He throws it overhand. He slings it. It's coming at 95 miles an hour. He knows what he's doing. Those games were terrific. And the only thing I will say is this. And we will ask Wilbon about this. If he shows up today, we will ask Booger about this. How is that the last play call for Alabama? It's fourth down. You either make a touchdown or you go home. Your season is over. You have an empty backfield. The only guy back there is Milrow. I assume you have him pass or you have him roll out or you do some sort of gadget thing because you're facing an eight-man front and you call a quarterback draw. What are you talking about? Well, you take... Five timeouts to get to this play? Yeah, and that's match. the play that you call, and it is snuffed. Yeah. And it's laughably so. Yeah, not even close. What are you doing? Do you think it's just the low snap? I don't think the low snap has anything to do with it. They got all their – they have a defense that hounded this guy and put him down like five seven – Five half. sacks in the first half. Yeah. He's not getting anything on them. Now, he, he had a couple of quarterback draws that worked when they were in a different spot on the field. There's no room A different down, down yeah. a different spot on the field. Not here. What are you doing? I mean, am I crazy? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's inexplicable. I mean, Booger will tell me, you know, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you just don't expect someone like Nick Saban 
after, as he you said, Michael. Calls. Yeah, uh, well, I guess you're right. But a- after what, 17 timeouts, that, that's the play they came up with. And you've got to see it. You're going to be like, look, we can't run this. There's eight guys at the front. What did you say? It's a long three yards at that point. I just want want a cam that shows nothing but Saban's facial reactions to just (laughs) small mistakes his players make. So he's trying to figure out what really just happened. Saban, um, yes, Saban shows disgust and, and then tries to hide it. Like he doesn't yell at players. He's not that guy. He just, you know, just says, well, we can't do this. And yeah, and he moves on from it. He does not show disgust. Uh, Belichick shows disgust. Sean Payton plays. They're best friends. <laughs> yeah. Belichick shows disgust. He, he doesn't. Nick Saban doesn't. But that that's a ridiculously bad call, I think. Yeah. That you got to roll mean, it out. If they make it, it's different. But you don't. You not only don't you make it, you don't even get back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. No, you got to roll it out. You got to do a pitch. You know, something like something. that. Yeah. Something. Involve your whole team. I didn't like that. Did you like the games? Games were really. I, I bailed the, the second game. I love the games. Good. We uh, we made the mistake of trying to do bedtime at the end of the third quarter in the in the uh, in the Michigan game. So yeah. you're sitting there watching on your phone. You're like Walker. Uh, Michigan got the ball back. Oh no, three out. They didn't get a score. <laughs> uh, but then you're watching the entire the way that that game went down. The way they marched down the field, not having any yards in the second half, seventy five yards. The I thought Michigan two, was going to lose forty to nothing after the first play. Yeah, nobody on that team seemed to want the ball. Yeah, I, I just and then you know you're like, oh, after Alabama kicked that second long field goal to go up twenty thirteen. That kid, that, that kid, kid that made kid. his field goal. He's it playing looked, on Sunday. I mean, it looked like it was going to go playing on. It was like it was going to go wide right, could have right back in. He played a tight Nailed draw. The other, <laughs> the other kid played a duck. Baby hook. draw. Yeah, it's a baby draw. And you're like, okay, well, there's there's a lot of time. But even after um, Michigan scored, you thought, well, there's plenty of time for them. This kid's got a great leg. You know, and I, but at I, the end, I, Michigan almost lost the ball again. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, with that punt. The yeah. punt. Yeah. What Michigan, are you doing? Michigan is shaky. Yes. Michigan is shaky. shaky. And then they drive, you know, they drive. But they, good for Ken Samet. Yeah. Michigan grad. Yeah. yeah. He's happy. He's already got his reservations for Houston for the finals. And, you know, I was thinking earlier in the day, man, I wish Georgia was playing because you saw what they oh, did. And they're so good. Georgia. And, you know, it's hard to say they didn't get the right teams in because both games was so it, fantastic. It, yeah, I yeah, it was. You know, again, I got to think if you're ESPN, you, you, you're looking at the overnights and you're thrilled. That yeah. number had to just build through the entire. Oh to. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to, yeah. had to, and just wonderful games. All right, we will take a break, Wilbon. Yes, Michael Wilbon. When we return, I am Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band that we played before that we like very much. Yes. Called Money for Guns. They are a St. Louis band. 
Um, Will Salisbury is the front man for Money for Guns, and he writes as we close the door on yet another year in this dirge of an existence. I thought I'd throw a couple more wonderful Money for Guns tunes your way. Thank you, as always, for your support. You were a huge part of making our latest record, All the Darkness That's in Your Head, our most commercially (laughs) successful to date. Yeah, the bar wasn't exactly what one would call high, but now it's even higher. Happy New Year from your favorite St. Louis frontman with an English degree. Money for Guns, this is called Electricity. It plays in Michael Wilbon, who we missed yesterday. And I had all sorts of NFL questions, and I will get to some of them. But given what happened late yesterday afternoon and last night with the college games, let's start with that. What are your thoughts about two really great games? They were just that. I mean, they were just fabulous games. Um, I, I was sort of one and one in my rooting interest, although I had more. You're rooting for Michigan. 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 Yeah, yeah. for the conference. And, uh, and so that was, that was just unbelievable, the whole ending. I thought Jim Harbaugh might go for two and try to Me win too. the game. I thought right too. I thought, yeah. I thought he might. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to my, my brother who was at the game. Oh, Don okay. And Allison were at the game because my sister-in-law is a Michigan girl, right? So that was her birthday present, I think, or Christmas present was to go to the game, and uh, so they were in the Rose Bowl. I thought he might go for two uh, when he didn't, and we had he went one right away two. when they flashed on him. His his finger was out right away. One, I, th- what? I I agreed with you, but he he was not going for. He didn't even think about it. He was no, one. on the way yeah. on the way in. I said if they score. Yeah. Wow, I wonder if he's going to go for two. And so I didn't have as much rooting interest. I was sort of rooting uh, for Texas, just the number of people I know who, who went to Texas, including, of course, Sarah, including my right. sister Sarah Long- Longhorn. And she was at, she was at that game. I, I actually got a peek. I saw her uh, sitting there, you know, looking terrified uh, <laughs> late in the game when it looked like Texas had no chance. They, I thought, oh, my God, that, that the last play, I thought he, he had thrown – a strike or, or close enough to where it was going to complete it and win that game, but those two games you you can't you can't you can't get any better. You no. cannot get any better. No. As bad a taste as the bowl season left in your mouth in general. You got the playoff. The playoff games were were everything they could possibly be. I, I mean, I'm I'm curious to to see the ratings because I mean th- these have to be the highest ratings in the history of college football on a on a package like that, right? They're, they're both compelling, totally compelling games, totally. Yeah, I don't know if they have to be the high. Remember, Tony, you know, I, I said that too. I said that to Matthew at one point. These might be the highest rated games, but the thing is, people just have so many options now. It used to be that, particularly New Year's Day, my God, you were watching those games. And, yes. and you didn't have to because they weren't playoff games. But people have so many options now that they that they can do other stuff that maybe they weren't. But yeah, if you if you're into college football, you cannot have a better day in two games back to back than you had last yesterday afternoon. Last so night. two questions suggest themselves, and I know there's a controversy over Florida State. I appreciate that, but to me. The way these games played out and the fact that both undefeated teams won them, the number one and number two seeds, it sort of, to me, justifies the committee's choosing of these four teams. How about to you? No. No. Okay. The one, has nothing, one has nothing to do with the other one. Florida State, I understand. Look, I was of that sentiment at the time. At the time. 
But Florida State, what a <laughs> institutionally, institutionally, you couldn't look more leaderless than Florida State. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you. Could, I mean, you, uh, I. I wound up. I'm a sympathetic with Florida State. I'm not. You know, a month ago, whatever that was, no, and no. now I'm like the hell of Florida State. <laughs> yes, they, exactly. they, they look like they have no leader. They're rudderless. They have no guts. None. Zero. They have no character, is what I really should say. Uh, institutionally, I'm not going to question anybody's specific decision to opt out. But collectively, you talk about just having no character. And as an institution, Florida State defines that to me. I, I agree with that. So let me get to the, the, hard, the hard call, which I assume we would talk about today. I assume. The fourth down call by Alabama. Facing a seven or eight man front, empty backfield. What are you doing going no, up you're the doing middle? Right. No, 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 no. You, <laughs> Tony. You, this is one night where you got to watch the nerds. You have to watch the people who break break this down in, in live time. And oh. it's not only was it a, a great call. When, when you see, if you go back and look at the, let somebody walk you through the film session, and it's not even difficult. It was, as Saban said, we didn't execute. He means we didn't block it. Right. But the snap, the snap, the snap ruined it. The low snap, he takes a step back before he goes forward. It's, it's really like of the four blocks that have to be made, three of them are made perfectly. So you're okay then, with that call? No, not just okay. That's the call. Okay. It's the call. They didn't block it. They didn't, they, they didn't execute it. And they had executed it. I, I, again, I'm saying to Matthew in live time, watch the game and said, this is a quarterback sneak. The question is, are they going to try to brotherly shove it? No. No. Or they're they going to let no. this kid, this kid knows how to run this play. He's a big, strong, powerful kid. And you're betting if you're Alabama, you're going to get that three yards. Because that, that play is also their two-point conversion play. Saban was very revealing about it afterward. And he talked about it. And when you when you see the play diagrammed and you see what they were doing, they don't get one. They get three of the people perfectly blocked and one guy does it in one Michigan play. A 255-pound defender blows up a guy who's 340 pounds. Blows him up. And he was the only guy who didn't get the block made, and that's why the play didn't work. And once you see that, you go, yeah, yep, 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 I get it. Okay. I will tell you that at the beginning of that game, the first pass that McCarthy threw – which yeah. I assumed was an interception. Right. I was thought, oh my God, they're going to lose by thirty-five points. They're going down I mean, the drain. You know, we we've seen them. You know, we've seen them spit the bit, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you think that was that, that was not <laughs> that play was not a, was not the omen you're looking for if you're blue. But uh, you know, they they came back and they played. McCarthy through did some really nice things, both with his arm and with his feet. And yes, do I did. think McCarthy is a great quarterback? No, I don't. I, I like him. I like him. I like his personality. I like who he is. In the interviews, when you see him, he's a really smart kid and easy to root for. Um, but, yeah, that game, wow, to come down to that play. You knew he was going to run. They just didn't get it. They didn't well, get it's empty on. backfield. Yeah, he's going to run yeah. at that point. He doesn't have any options. All right, let me move on. I was going to – because yesterday, had we talked yesterday – I would have gone heavy NFL because the college games weren't played. 
But I'm, I'm curious, and I don't know how we'll do this today. You've got to do some NFL stuff. Two very, very big results on Sunday. One very, very big result on Saturday. They involve Baltimore. They involve the Eagles. They involve the Cowboys and the Lions. Of those games, which to you, to you had the most significance? Baltimore Only one. winning. Cowboys Lions. Cowboys Lions. That's what that, you think. That was, okay. That that was spectacular. Talk about the decision. I he, I, he, I would go four five times. Decision. Yes. Yes. I mean, he went the other way, and um, it was that was a wow. And they got it. They beat the Cowboys, yep. except for this guy not reporting eligible. Yep. Um, they beat him in Dallas. I, you know, I, people. The score can be whatever it wants. It doesn't change anything. It may change Detroit in his home field situation, uh, and 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 the top, the very top of the NFC East. But that, yeah, the, the Eagles was significant because they, they're yes. they're falling and they can't get up. They can't. They cannot. They, the defense is so bad. It was one last year in so many areas, one or two or top three, and now in a lot of cases that defense is bottom five in the league. So to have that turn on its head like that. For Philadelphia, it, 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 look, it spells doom. At least it seems that way. So that was significant. But the game, the only game that had significance to me was, was Cowboys-Lions. And, and, you know, I mean, the Chiefs have fallen. And I don't know if they can get up either. I, it does, I mean, they lost to Cincinnati. I mean, so, okay, Cincinnati's not. Cincinnati's not going to make the playoffs. But and you've got this game this week, Miami Buffalo. That's that's of great interest. Yes, it is. Yes, it you is. know that's and, and Tony, it's of it's of less interest, even though it's going to be of more interest because they're going to show that game on national TV Sunday. Bears Packers. The Bears did not fall and can't get up. Not only okay, so the Bears going to finish. They got a chance to finish in eight and nine if they beat the Packers in Green Bay, a game Green Bay needs to win, but. The Bears, look, they won five of their final seven. If they Already, they won five of their last seven. The two losses, two of those, the, the two losses were at Detroit, which is going to the playoffs, and they had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. And somewhere else they had a double-digit lead. Cleveland. The team that's going to Cleveland. 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 Going Cleveland, to the playoffs. Going to the playoffs. Double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. So the Bears have outplayed their opponents. Seven consecutive games. Okay, so there's two questions that that must be answered. One, do you keep the coach who you had fired by the fifth yep. week of the season? And yep. two, what do you do with the number one pick? Do you keep Justin Fields or do you? I do. I do. I keep do? Justin Fields, and I. You listen. One of the things that we saw that we've seen over the past few weeks is that if you've got the number one pick, you got some options. And yes, you could trade down and you could get maybe all the players you want. And when I say all the players I want, if I'm the Bears, what I want right now is an offensive posse to go with Justin Fields. And they've got that. Anybody who watches this kid, DJ Moore, are you kidding? And you, really I know good. you're watching. Yeah, it's a terrible trade. Said, this kid yeah. is great. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, no, it's not a terrible trade. It's a great trade. For, for you. Those of us at it. It's yeah, the worst trade. That that Carolina is, is the owner is a moron. He's a total bozo. I don't bozo. care about Carolina. Bozo. I care about right. getting the number one pick and making it work again. Right. So, it's not Tony. Okay, Marvin Harrison Jr., I, I want. But, right. Tony, this kid, Adunze, is that his name for Washington? The offensive My lineman. My God, he's great. No, 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 no. The receiver. Oh, the receiver. Roman. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, yeah. 
Yeah. He's great. The LSU receiver is great. By the way, maybe the second-rated receiver in the draft also went to Ohio State. He has, he has, I think he has more receiving touchdowns than Marvin Harrison Jr. So you can get any one of these kids and the offensive lineman of your dreams. Uh, the Alabama kid who got blown up last night was nonetheless is one of them. So, I, you know, I, I, and we don't even have to lose. We, we have the number one pick. So that's a signal. Talk about a win-win. Yeah. It, it, it's it's hard to be a Bear fan and be more excited without being in a playoff spot than we are right now, given what happened over the weekend. Again, winning for the fifth time in seven games and five straight home games and having these having these picks, man, it's a it's an exciting time. So that was another result that, that thrilled me, which most people won't care about. Okie dokie. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. We'll come back with Booger McFarland. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is our favorite band from St. Louis. This is Money for Guns. And the front man is Will Salisbury, who sends us the music. Yes, we love Will. It's our second tune. It's called The End Was Perfect. Michael, if Money for Guns or any other group or individual artist wants to send us their music to be played on the show, how do they do so? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. Plays in Booger McFarland. There's a, there's a million ways I could start with this. I mean, I, I don't know. You might very well disagree because, because I know that you thought that Florida State should be in. But do the results of these games, does the closeness of these games, the thrill of these games, and the fact that the two unbeaten teams that were seeded one and two actually won both these games, does this in your mind say at all that the committee got it right, or is that a separate issue? I think that's a separate issue. I, I, I think both things can be right. You can look at the closeness of the games and say, man, what an unbelievable January 1 we had. And, and the committee gave us two matchups that were outstanding. The ratings are going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And you can also say, you know what, Florida State deserved to have their opportunity also. I think both things can be right. You don't have to have one right and one wrong, Tony, because I'm still, and I'm not going to go down that path, but I still believe Florida State, right. uh, based, based on what we saw yesterday, uh, I, I didn't really see dominance yesterday. I, I, we saw good football, but I didn't say uh, after watching those games, man, one of these teams is just so much far superior than the others. No, the only team you would say that about all year is Georgia. That, you, Correct. That was, that was the team, which leads me to this question. And I ask you this with the knowledge of having played the game for a long time. Kirby Smart, in the last minute of the first half, after recovering a fumble and being up 35-3, had his quarterback throw four straight passes to get another touchdown to go into halftime 42-3. This rankled me. This really bothered me. I brought this up to Pat Forty yesterday, and he said, whatever you do in the first half is okay. Don't, get ever, don't ever get mad at the first half. You played the game. Did you have, what was your reaction to that part of the Georgia-Florida State game? Um, I didn't have a problem with it, Tony. Like, it's not Kirby Smart's responsibility to worry about the other team's shortcoming. His job is to 
uh, score as many points to ensure that his team can win. Now, if you want to drill down a little bit, I can tell you what Kirby was thinking. Let's go up 42 to 3. I feel comfortable at that point. I can take the foot off the gas and let the dogs off. Because right. in the second half, I don't think Carson Beck played Didn't in the second play. half. Didn't play. Didn't play at all. And nope. so I think what Kirby wanted to do was get to a comfortable margin in his mind. And for his sake, that was 42 to 3. I got no problem with that. Now, after the game, I think Kirby explained to you what the issue was. And he was like, like Kirby knew that Florida State had zero chance whatsoever. Right. Like he knew that. Right. Right. And he said the system is broken. And when you get a, a game where if you're not in the playoffs, then the games really don't matter. I mean, Florida right. State was without 13 starters, and that's not counting the quarterback. And right. so everyone knew what the outcome of this game was going to be. And it, it gives us uh, credence to a bigger conversation, Tony, that the college football calendar is broken. Yeah. Anytime you have to worry about coaching for a bowl game, the transfer portal, recruiting your own team, recruiting high school seniors, and you got to do all of that while preparing for a bowl game, to me that's a bit much, and hopefully they fix it. Otherwise, you're going to see the same thing next year in the non-playoff games. I agree. I totally agree. So I'm going to move on, uh, and, and I, I pay attention to what you say and what Forty says that I probably overreacted to that. Let me get to the first game yesterday, the Michigan game. The first play of the game, I'm sitting down watching this, and I watch J.J. McCarthy, and I say out loud, throw it away. And he doesn't throw it away. And the guy, I thought, made an interception. And I, I know they get a reprieve because they said that he had come back inbounds from out of bounds. But at that point, and, and shortly thereafter when they muffed a, a punt, I just thought Michigan is going to get blowed out of this game. Did you have the same feeling? Well, it, it was definitely the same feeling like with J.J. McCarthy, here we go again. Because the last yes. month of the season, he hasn't played well. Now they get the reprieve. And that's when I started to say, okay, well, maybe it, it, it's Michigan's time. Because in years past, that, that, that would have been an interception. And pretty soon, Michigan would be down 7 nothing. But they yes. get the reprieve. And I, I thought, I don't know if you caught this. After they overturned the interception, Harbaugh grabbed the quarterback and patted him on the back and kind of slapped him like, hey, forget that. Here we go again. And to me, it was like a reset. It was kind of like you get your computer, Tony, and something's not going right, and you just hit restart. So right. everything can kind of, re, kind of restart again. I thought Harbaugh doing that was something very small but was very big for the quarterback uh, and his confidence because he played well. He wasn't perfect. He missed some throws. But overall, I thought he played well enough. And the thing that really shocked me, Tony, with with, with Michigan, they ran for 130 yards on Alabama. Now, it was on 32 carries or whatever. But the fact that they were able to get close to three, four yards a carry against that Bama team, I think that ultimately – uh, put them in a position offensively, they can make some plays. And then Michigan's defense was outstanding all day. Oh, yeah, five sacks in the first half. They were great. But let me get back to this and, and put you in the middle of it again. You played defense, so you're not going to be on the field when McCarthy throws that first ball that we all think is an interception. And you're not going to be on the field when they muff the first punt, of two, by the way, because they muffed two during, during that game. So you're on the sidelines as a defensive player. At any point, do you say to yourself, oh, my, this is going bad. This is not our day. I think what you say is, man, like how many more breaks can go against us? But as a player, Tony, I look at the scoreboard, and the game right. is still in the balance. And so even when things may not be going your way, like you, you can always be glass half full or glass half empty guy. I think most teams, especially when you're in tight games, are always going to look at it as glass half full, meaning right. whatever happens – 
let's look at the positive side of things and realize, that, hey, we muffed the punt. We gave them their, we really gave them their only touchdown by muffing a punt. And so we really helped them score. And if we don't help them, we're the better football team. Even though the score, uh, even though we had dominated the game and the score wasn't indicative of that, I think you have to look at it from a positive standpoint. So, yeah, Michigan's been the best one of, if not the best team all season long. So I don't think they ever get to a point where they say, here we go again, or they start looking at a glass half empty. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, they have five sacks on Milrow in the first half. They totally dominate the first half, and they're up by three or something like that. And, yeah, I'm probably a glass half empty guy because I would have said, well, we have no chance because (laughs) we should be up by 20 with the statistics, right? That's what I would have said. Well, no question. I have been talking talking to you for the last couple of years. You're definitely a glass half empty guy. You can have a six foot putt for par. You'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to miss this low." I'm like, "It's a straight putt, buddy." Like, put it in the hole. Okay. All right. So let me get to what I think is the only question you can have, which is, how do you you're going against a seven or eight man front? It's fourth down in overtime. You're in an empty backfield. What are you doing calling a quarterback run at that point? Do you feel the same way about that? Well, the execution of the play wasn't great. And, and I think you have to look at, the, look at the, the execution and not necessarily the final result. That was supposed to be not a run up the middle. It was supposed to be a run to the left side. But let's start with the snap. The snap was right. a little low. All and day. so now – and all yeah. day, and so now Miro catches catches the snap, and he's like the timing of the play is a little off. The right tackle got pushed all the way in the backfield, so when he goes to make his cut to the left, okay, the right tackle actually trips him, and so now he has no choice but to go forward. The execution of the play, if it had been executed properly, he would have walked in the end zone for a touchdown. But because of those little nuanced things that we just discussed, right. it looks like, oh, a ho-hum run up the middle. That was not the – the the design of the play, but it was poor execution, and then Michigan has something to do with it also. Does so, okay, so I'm I am chastened by everything that I believe in, as you explained to me why I'm wrong, which is which is good. Michigan, their their front though they they just destroyed Alabama's passing game for most of the game, right? I mean, they were dominating their front four or front seven. They were dominating. Did you expect that? No, I didn't expect that. But, Tony, you know, history always gives us clues about things that can happen. And if you think about this Alabama offensive line, even though they've gotten better, it's been their Achilles heel all offseason. Excuse me, all season. They've given up a lot of sacks. And the quarterback has been really, really good the last three months of the year. But early yes. on, he wasn't good. He couldn't throw the football. So the Alabama team yesterday we saw was the one that we had seen earlier in the season where we thought they may have been in trouble. They got sacked, what, six or seven times yesterday. The quarterback seven. only threw for 116 yards. Yes. Um, they didn't play well, the offensive line. And I think, you know, oftentimes we want to believe that this team was different. And in the end, this was a flawed Alabama team, and Michigan exposed them with their quickness and their strength up front. And, again, Michigan – I'm not a big believer in, in fate, Tony, but – I am a big believer in when you, when you go through things, it hardens you mentally and it gives you a level of mental toughness that you would not otherwise have. Michigan losing the TCU last year, Michigan being embarrassed, Harbaugh uh, can't win the big one. He couldn't beat Ohio State. Now all of a sudden he, he owns Ohio State. You, you go through things as a coach and a team that prepares you. And when they got down yesterday, 17-13, 
year in years past, that team kind of would have would have fallen to the wayside. But because of their mental toughness uh, and the things that they've been through, I thought they put Michigan in a, in a situation where they were able to persevere. And JJ McCarthy led a, a touchdown drive down the field. And next thing you know, we're going to overtime. Yeah. No. No. You're right. The the the, the next game was just as good. It didn't have overtime, but it was just as good. It had a last play inside the 10 or so, you know, to to win the game. If I remember correctly, and I think I do, you always liked Texas. You thought Texas had the most talent in the country. Are you surprised by Washington beating them? Am I surprised? No. Um, Did I think they would? No, also. I, I think when you look at Texas, Texas, again, very talented. But, Tony, Texas' Achilles here all, all season has been their pass defense. Well, yes. guess what? Michael yeah. Penix Jr., made, he capitalized on that. He threw for over 400 yards. And yeah. he was the best football player on, uh, best player on the football field yesterday. And his ability to be so accurate down the field and throw the football. And, I mean, he was throwing the football 50 yards down the field. And it, it was as if he was walking out there handing the ball to the receiver. And they got three receivers, they being Washington, that are going to play on Sunday. So, when you look at the two semifinals, they were indicative of the teams that we saw all year. Washington, very explosive pass offense. Texas, very poor pass defense. Alabama, very poor offensive line. Michigan, tough, gutty, uh, physical. And those things played out, even though we thought we may see something different. What we saw all season from these teams is what we saw yesterday. Do you have any sense, like right now, it's a week away, you've watched them, do you have any sense which team you would favor going into the final? Well, I mean, if this game turns into a shootout, Washington has They'll an win. NFL quarterback and they yeah. got three NFL receivers, so you would have to favor them. This is kind of going to be one of those games, Tony, and I, and I know you'll get this from an NBA standpoint. The tempo of the game is going to determine who wins. You know, if, if, yeah. if this game is played in, in, in the 30s and low 40s, you favor Washington. If this game is played in, in, in the mid-20s uh, to high 20s, it favors Michigan. To me, this is a tempo game. Whichever team can dictate the tempo, um, I do know this. I think this will be the best defense that, Mich- that Washington has seen all season long. And I think this will be the best offense that Michigan has seen all season long. And so I can't wait to see that matchup. Yeah, but it'll be great. It'll be next week. Booger, thanks as always, and we'll see you on PTI later in the week. Thank you. No doubt. Have a great one, guys. Booger McFarland, boys and girls. We will take a break. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Along and the Slappy Boys. The Slappy Boys makes me so happy to say that. Thank you to them. Um, Bethesda Bagel Read? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. All right. Before we uh, get to the mailbag today, let me just say, Michael, 
I have great affection for you, and you lead a rich and interesting life. But you're a bag man, not an attorney. If you wanted to lock me up, you should have kept me in Wisconsin, where claims and evidences of my inappropriate behavior would have jurisdictional relevance. I have no criminal record in the state of New York. And the single defining criteria for involuntary incarceration is danger. Is the defendant a danger to himself or to others? You think you got the horses for that? Well, good luck and God bless. But I'll tell you this. The last place you want to see me is in court. That's from Michael Clayton. Which yes. is just the best movie. Yeah. So the late, great Tom Wilkinson. It's, just, yes, it's just the best movie. Yes. Go see this movie. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Pat Forty. Oh, it's not Pat Forty today. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Booger McFarlane. Whoops. Yeah, it's typed wrong. Thanks as well to today's sponsors. <laughs> Reset and remember that you can listen you can't. to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Let's go to the uh, mailbag. This is from... Let me get this on the other side. I think it's from Sue Heidel. Oh, Chuck is, and Roxy, number one. This is exciting news. Cincinnati, Ohio. Here we go. Far be it from me to contradict uh, T.W., the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, a.k.a. Carol. However, don't give up on that cashmere sweater just yet. A skilled tailor can repair your sweater for you. They can take thread and yarn from other places on the sweater, like the side seams where the tag has been sewn on, and use that material to essentially re-knit the sweater and close up the hole. Of course, this works better when the hole is small. Those days are gone. A hole that is the size of a quarter can be repaired, but the repair will likely be visible to others. However, the repair will stop the hole from getting any larger and will allow you to continue to wear the sweater you love for years to come. Some dry cleaners offer this service as well, but I'd start with a tailor. I wish I knew your tailor. (laughs) And let them direct you to someone skilled in this area. As for your comment that no other sweaters have holes in them and moths may be the culprit, the moths themselves do not eat the sweater. The moths seek out natural fibers to, how do I say this, find a a place to allow their offspring to grow. It is their offspring that eat the holes in your sweater. They will only eat animal-based fabrics like wool and cashmere because the offspring need animal proteins from the fabric to grow and develop. Information for life. That is great, Sue Heidel. That's great. So your polyester sweaters will be fine. Yeah, they're fine. So you're saying there's a chance, though. There's yeah. a chance. bring this one back. I was about to throw this out. Now yeah, I'm not it out. This we'll is see. great news. We'll see. From Ryan Sweeney in Columbus, Ohio. Just turn the little house into a two-story cedar closet. Moth problems solved. <laughs> From Jim in Lutherville. Is your personal sweater ranking system as selective as Wilbon's primary text chain? <laughs> Asking for a cardigan. That's very funny. <laughs> That's very funny. It really is funny. From Marcy Dillon. The discussion of Michael's recent dinner brought back fond memories of when I first moved to Washington in the 1990s. At that time, the number one romantic restaurant for the Capitol Hill set was Took Whale. Is that how it was pronounced? I've never been there. T-U-K with a... Sounds about right. Yeah, Took Whale, Took Whale on Massachusetts Avenue near Union Station. It's all I heard about from friends going on Valentine's Day dates and other special (laughs) occasions. With such an interesting name, I couldn't wait to go and really built it up in my mind. The internet didn't exist then, and I was dying to know about this fascinating place. Imagine my surprise to learn that I had been mishearing the name, and it was really called Two Quail. <laughs> the restaurant, which was more eclectic than exotic, is long gone, but I still laugh every time I drive by. I am unfamiliar with it. Was not aware of that place. And yes, because they are so small, you serve <laughs> one quail a, a, one quail per person for an hors d'oeuvre, and then at least two per person for the entree per the interwebs. Information for life on multiple levels. That sounds about right. But yours was cooked by the chef at Chichester. Uh, yes, I, uh, I had the keys taken away from me by my father-in-law. <laughs> he went there and back at least four times to pick up the quail. And were they bitey and chewy <laughs> and wonderful? Fantastic. Fancy, fancy chicken. Okay. 
<laughs> From Nick Lefave in St. Paul, Minnesota. City names? As a former now recovering TV news anchor, this has always been fun for me. And by fun, I mean the surest way to anger an aging TV news viewer is to mispronounce of their mispronounce the name of their 250-person municipality. <laughs> Sorry, their village. <laughs> Ten years ago, I was working in Shreveport, Louisiana, where three different Lafayettes regularly appeared in our stories. Lafayette, Louisiana, Lafayette, Texas, and Lafayette County, Arkansas. Conveniently, they were pronounced differently based on the syllables you chose to emphasize. Lafayette or Lafayette. Occasionally, someone would call the newsroom and claim it should actually be shortened to Lafayette. Don't ask me which one was pronounced which way because I don't remember now and I barely cared then. Whenever I saw it show up in the prompter, I did my best to make sure my co-anchor had to read it. That's good. <laughs> Chris Redding in Pleasant Gap, Pennsylvania. While my girlfriend and I were out and about this weekend, we came across an elderly gentleman wearing a Tony Kornheiser Show sweatshirt. I offered a hearty lachiserie, which, of course, I had to explain to my girlfriend, and he replied in kind. He then added, I won't give you the TK salute this time. <laughs> From Clyde Parsons in Louisville. Now that Tony is pursuing a broader TV diet than just sports, I highly recommend The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, yes. It's a miniseries about the making of The Godfather. Conflicts with, conflicts with studio management, Frank Sinatra, The Mafia, all addressed. Is that good? Have you seen it? I have not, but it has been highly recommended. Uh, Matt Kelleher recently just said, you must watch this. Yes. Okay. Apparently, it's brilliant. Okay, it was from good. You, okay. Oh, you saw it, Sean? Yes, I did. Okay. From Hugh McGibbon in Windsor, Ontario. I wish you all a happy new year and a wonderful 2024 ahead. As a Lions and Pistons fans, I have some mixed feelings about last night, though I'm happy that the Pistons streak is over. By the way, speaking of last night, they lost again last night, starting a new one. <laughs> As for the Lions, I think we are still paying for the Dirty Dozen episode in the mid-'80s when the Lions kicked a winning field goal against Cowboys with 12 men on the field. Anyway, I've just started Slow Horses, the novel by Nick Heron, and it's great. I'm sure the TV series will be great, too. After all, when is Gary Oldman been in something that was less than great. Like you, Tony, I don't have many streaming services. However, I've found success on YouTube. My favorites, which have been uploaded and are free to watch, hmm. have been the Le Carre novels, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spiley's People. I've seen both of them. Each have a six-episode uh, arc and were great BBC productions. I will put in some links below. As an aside, there's a scene in one of the episodes where a villain is captured, and it's revealed that he's done great damage. As he's being led away, he says, all the best, Percy, to the head of the Secret Service in a great F.U. moment. I could see James Harden saying, all the best, Daryl, as he cleaned out his locker in Philly. From Chris Mullen, not that Chris Mullen, in Rixieville, Virginia. Next time you interrupt Carville's piano lessons to make picks, ask him to turn off the metronome. <laughs> Maybe that's where it was. <laughs> uh, Brett Hobbs in Lincoln, Indiana. After Monday's podcast, I thought I would add my Eclipse invite to your list. As a thank you for reading my past emails, I'd like to invite you and your family to experience the full eclipse as it darkens Linton, Indiana on April 8th, 2024. This invite will include a round of golf at our local Phil Harris Golf Course. The course is made for you. It has no sand traps, only two water holes. I'll even throw in a tour of our Phil Harris Museum and a meal at a local Amish restaurant. P.S. In case of inclement weather, your grandkids can inherit this offer to be used August 23rd, 2044. <laughs> That's good. Phil Harris was a comedian and a band leader, was he not? I'm not familiar with that. In the 30s Phil. and 40s, Phil I'll, Harris? Look I'll it look up. that up. From Adam Benson in St. John's in Newfoundland. If the Chiefs lose in the wild card round, how long until we see a video of Taylor Swift yelling, my man can't catch and throw? <laughs> oh, that's from Giselle. Giselle. That's yes. from Giselle. Okay, here's another one. It's long. It's a lot of pages here. But it's, oh, it's got the, wow, this is great. Okay, let me get to this, and then I'll explain it. Okay. From Chuck, 
from the Loyal Littles podcast, who says, as a P.S., which I'll read early, Roxy is still kicking her face off at Radio City Music Hall until January 4th, but will hopefully be joining me later this month for Littles Gathering in Wisconsin. So this is from Chuck. This is what you have created. I just got to Milwaukee two days ago to start rehearsals for a new show. And what's the first thing I had to do? (coughs) Well, meet Oz the Great and Flavorful from Emerald City. Catering, of course. Chuck and Roxy, episode number two in a long time, Laura Little. What's the first thing two littles who meet for the first time in the wild in Milwaukee uh, will do, you might ask? We'll make a pilgrimage to the Fonz statue. And get pictures with it wearing a Tony Kornheiser shirt, of course. How about that? Yep, you created all this fun and craziness. We'll never be able to repay you. I truly feel like I have family no matter what city I visit. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for that. Happy New Year into all of the cheeserie. And he sends pictures, and they are together at the Fonz statue. They have draped a Tony Kornheiser T-shirt, which says I am the official, I can't read the thing, I guess, fan or little of the Tony Kornheiser show. It's just lovely. Oh, yeah, they leave it black so you can write in. I'm write the official. You want. Yes. So that's great. And, and by the way, Phil Harris, born Wonga Philip Harris, actor, comedian, singer, songwriter. Band leader. You might know, yeah, band leader uh, from the Jack Benny show, yeah. was Baloo in the Jungle Book and Little John and Robin Hood. So he, he was born, he was popular in the 30s and 40s. Yes, was born in 1904. My great thanks to Chuck and, and Roxy is, she's got. Today, tomorrow, and the next day. Keep kicking. To, yeah, keep kicking, honey. That's what they say, right? That's what he says when he, when he gets off the phone. Keep kicking, honey. All right, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. I'm going to solve. Right. No, you're not. You're an idiot. curl cabinet. No. <laughs>
such a good girl in the daylight But in the night, but in the night, but in the night I never felt a something feel so loud Can't you feel me, baby? I'll burn the brightest red And kill all the darkness that's in your head Sound 